Hi, I'm Nicole Stott. I'm a retired NASA astronaut and artist and co-founder of the Space for Art Foundation. And as you always tell me, a mom. And yes, a mom. <laughs> <laughs> the most important. The most important. Absolutely. I'm, um, I'm Amanda Lee Falkenberg. I'm an Australian composer and pianist and um, have conceived a work called the Moon Symphony, which is what brought Nicole Stott and I into each other's orbit. Perfectly anticipating my question about what brings you two together. <laughs> so maybe I should ask, when did you first cross paths? Oh my gosh, via email, I believe, with uh, an organization, a really fine organization called the International Association of Astronomical Artists. And uh, Amanda had posted something about her wonderful symphony that was being produced. And I was in need of some music for an event we were producing for Apollo 8 celebration. Because uh, you took your watercolors up into space when you were on the International Space Station, didn't you? I did take them up into space. Very thankful that somebody encouraged me to do something like that, to bring something I enjoy doing on Earth with me to space and all of that free time that we have, right? And it became, uh, honestly, one of the most personally satisfying things, uh, important things to me um, during the mission. And where did uh, an originally Australian film composer get captured by the moons of the outer planets? Well, I was nearly um, finishing up my piano concerto called Crossing of the Crescent Moon and I thought just before I finish it I might just do some research on ancient symbolism of the crescent moon and just spend a couple hours just researching that and then I came across this website that said 10 of the weirdest moons of our solar system and I'm like oh my god these moons need music these need emotion and I was so excited to finish my piano concerto so I could start composing music for these moons and that's how it came about. Wow. So, so what part did you play in this story then, Nicole? Oh, I don't know. I, you know, uh, I'm, I'm just really excited that we met. I think there was serendipity in our meeting. I think we share, um, I don't know, a similar spirit about who and where we are on this planet. And I think through the incredible music that uh, Amanda has brought to life. Um, we're going to be able to share this sense of who and where we are and this need for us all to live like crewmates in a really spectacular way. And my, my very favorite thing about the symphony is that the seventh movement is the Earth moon. And I love that this journey through space, through these other incredible moons, brings us back to Earth and to the reality of who and where we are. And of course, our own moon is the place where Apollo astronauts say they discovered the Earth. Well, I think it's worth noting, and not many people know this, that when I first um, embarked on this project, I'd only shortlisted six moons. And um, for about three or four months, I was busy whirling around the solar system, creating music for these fantastic worlds that I was enjoying being part of. And when I hit Moon Miranda, which is the furthest moon from our, um, our Earth, it featured in the solar system, um, featured in the symphony, I should say, um, I just had this really strange feeling that came over me, like something was missing, something didn't feel right. And all of a sudden, it was when I was finessing her story um, into music that I all of a sudden felt homesick. And I just 
beamed myself back to earth and I went, oh my God, this is what is missing. I looked up and I'm like, oh my God, we need earth moon as part of the symphony and so in some ways I feel like I've had my earth rise because of my musical space flight and that's how I arrived at um, the seventh moon which totally brought Nicole and I together because of this realization um, at Miranda, moon Miranda, moon of Uranus. And uh, I, I sort of was brought in following this path of serendipity that tends to rule my world uh, that we met over two years ago I chat yeah. to you Nicole and oh, you should come to this event. And, and at that time, you'd sort of scored your music, but you were setting out now to go from, you know, digital, uh, I don't know, ideas and realisation to bring it into the physical world. And, and how big a journey was that for you? Epic. It was, um, it was one thing to create the content in this digital platform of this orchestral assimilation um, computer programs that we have and that was great because it served its purpose to do some outreach some beta testing with some private audiences over the years but then I had the colossal job of converting all that material to a full score so a conductor could um, actually bring it to life through live musicians and that was an hugely intense project that was like 12 months um, working probably 10 hour days just making these millions of decisions as it seemed every day but I was committed and I knew what I wanted to do but it was just so time consuming but it's COVID that allowed me the time to really you know finish that um, without uh, too much pressure if you like so I was it happened during most of that so but fortunately the score is done and and it's been um, road tested and we're waiting for its professional recording next year. Wow and you pulled in uh, some notable uh, uh, participants musicians voices and conductors. Well my dream conductor in fact I'll have to quote this because when um, uh, I'm talking about, of course, Maestra Marin Olsop, when she had the chance to work with um, Leonard Bernstein. She, <laughs> there is an interview on um, YouTube saying, I would have I gone to the moon to work with him. And I'm like, oh my God, I would have gone to the moon to have Marin Olsop <laughs> conduct. And yes, she has agreed and, and to um, conduct our professional recording next year and our global tour. Because when we talk about music, we talk about emotions and feelings. I mean, Nicole, you know, you've had that ultimate experience of looking down on the earth from space, which, you know, talking to many of your colleagues, it's a feeling that is much more than the view. And for you, what did this music do for you? What did you feel? How did it stir you? Yeah, I love that you kind of make that comparison because, um, you know, the view of Earth from space, it is, it's much more than what you're seeing with your eyes, right? You're experiencing this visual, like this overwhelming visual presentation of, of this planet that's your home, right? That's glowing, translucent, irid all the colors you know Earth to be against the blackest, clearest black you've ever seen. And and every time you look at it, you're you're overwhelmed that way. You're surprised by it. And I think that's what I really appreciated listening to um, Amanda's Moon Symphony is that there were little surprises every, it, almost with every sound of um, what you were listening to. And then she's complemented that with 
this beautiful imagery of, of what we know um, th these places in space to be, of what we imagine them to be. And then the lyrics are so poetically done, and yet they're based wholly on the science of, of these moons in our solar system. And I think, I mean, I, the whole time I listened to it, I'm looking at my arms right now thinking, thinking about it, I'm getting the goosebumps on my arms because there were just these points in it where I felt like I was transported and I felt like I was just like looking out that window at Earth from space where it's like this whole body experience, the same thing is happening to you through this music. Incredible. And now um, Glasgow has pulled you in, uh, COP26. Uh, how did that come about? Because I think it's a fairly recent development. Well, again, very serendipitous. Um, those private um, beta-tested audience events, I guess, that were held in um, London a couple of years ago, one of the ladies that um, was part of that um, was is now part of the PR for the Extreme Hangouts and started putting two and two together when she started seeing a lot of, like, Earthrise photos and, and sort of reached out to me and said, Amanda, are you going to be part of COP26? And I said, well... I was intend to. I wished. I wish I was, but I think Nicole's going. And then it happened really quickly. And within like six days, um, we were booked for a um, presentation, an event um, on Tuesday. And that's how all that arose um, because she knew the content. She knew the message of the symphony, especially how it all culminates for the seventh movement, which is all, as Nicole pointed out, it's it's putting us back, it's putting perspective, a new fresh lens about how to see our whole, our home, and our role in the cosmos. Now, they say context is everything. And here you are at what potentially is one of the most historic moments in the Earth's history and future in terms of what could happen through climate change. So what is your sense of the mood potentially in that room when you present with a predominantly young audience who are going through eco-anxiety and everything else, but are also in a bit of turmoil between Earth and space and, you know, how we're going to overcome uh, the next few decades. Well, I, I love how you've um, positioned this question because I think I have always, this has always been the centre of my mind and heart and, and thoughts about crafting this music because for me, it is about inspiring, uplifting, you know, and music using that as a platform to raise the vibration and the frequency so that we are feeling inspired you cannot do anything of great use when you are when the, the energy is less than ins inspirational and that was always I mean I was so inspired by these moons I couldn't help it and the science on top of that was just such a, a joy to put this project together so I was really mindful that that vibration would transcend to everyone who was going to experience this music and it was my job to make sure that I authentically embodied all those emotions. So I'm actually really interested because I've been thinking that um, it's probably the first time a young audience will be exposed to this because the beta testing has been sort of more sort of um, adults plus sort of thing whatever um, but I'm really I'm really curious to see if they will if it would trigger the type of reaction that at least the sort of the old the older audience has given me in terms of uplifting and inspired um, effect 
from the, um, from experience of the Moon Symphony. But I think particularly because of the seventh movement, and it's because that's how I felt when I've grown up. I mean, we've all had to deal with, no matter, it's not this age that we are, we've all grown up, even in our teenagers. I was, there was Gosma hairspray that was polluting the planet. I was writing to the organisation saying, 13 years old, saying, you've got to change your product. So I think, you know, it's all relevant. We've all, no matter what age you are, this has been part of our core and hearts from just I think everyone has a story to, to share about how the environment has affected us emotionally and so I'm just hoping that the experience of this symphony will be something that inspires them to really think outside the square and um, raise their vibration to be you know positively influenced by how and what they can do. And Nicole as um, a spokesperson if I may give you that role yeah. for the very small number of astronauts 600 over 50 60 years um how does that journey affect your perception of the planet in terms of that balance between i don't know its fragility its majesty uh, and also the contribution that research in space and space exploration can make to us back here on earth well, I think I think I'll start by saying, you know, we, there's a motto for the space station, right, which is this masterpiece in space, this place where, you know, we've created this mechanical life support system, right? And for over 20 years now, crew members representing over 15 different countries have come together peacefully, successfully working in this place with a mission of greater good for for Earth. And the motto of this place is off the earth for the earth. And it's so beautifully perfect because in reality, everything that we're doing in space that we've done and are going to do is ultimately about improving life on earth. Now we can go back, you know, what is it? 52 years now to, um, if I'm getting my math right, you know, to 1968, to uh, the Apollo 8 mission, the first time humans with, you know, with our own eyes saw Earth rising above the horizon of another planetary body, our moon, the Earth moon, right? And in all the complexity of that, what, what was the spirit that came from it? The real, like, inspirational, motivational for all of humanity, I think, was that Oh my gosh, you know, and I won't say it the way Bill did, but we went all the way to Earth or all the way to the moon thinking we were going to discover the moon and we discovered Earth. And that's what's been going on with space exploration since the beginning. We go off the planet, we explore, we do science, and everything about it we're bringing back for the benefit of life on Earth. Now, I think that's a pretty compelling thing to think about. And I think it's bigger than just what any one astronaut feels when they look out the window and see Earth. Like, I mean, I remember like viscerally being like, oh my gosh, we live on a planet in space. We are all, all in space and we are all Earthlings. And the only border that matters is that thin blue line of atmosphere. And those are some of the most basic common ground kinds of things that we can consider. They're very simple. But they are really, really powerful and compelling as well. If we all would just keep that in our consciousness every day, I think it would be a pretty powerful thing. And I think it's powerful because of the same kind of thing that Amanda said about the music and the symphony and the goal of that, the mission of that, 
to inspire. And that can sound so simple. And yet the inspiration isn't just about inspiration. Oh, I felt good when I left listening to that music. I felt good after I looked at the earth from space. It is a really powerful call to action. It should get in your body and your bones and your mind and your heart in a way that you want to do something about it, right? That you want to create, to inspire others. And, and that's what I'm really hopeful for in this. There is such a complement between the way we are living and working in space and the things we were doing that are all about improving life on Earth that sadly I don't think is communicated as well as it should be. We're at a, a COP26, we're at a place where everybody is looking for solutions. We want our leaders to walk away, not just talking about what's going on, not just talking about what proposals there are and the kinds of things we could do, but actually leaving committed to solutions for those problems. And the information we need, the primary information we need to understand the pulse, the heartbeat of our planet is coming to us from space. And we need to respect that, that as a source of just beautiful information to help us solve our problems. And you know, the, the sort of question that could well come from the audience is, why are we going to space when there's so much to do here on Earth? And you sort of answered yeah. that. Uh, and I, I was talking to Frank White, who came up with this overview effect description for what it is mm -hmm. astronauts experience. And he he relayed uh, being told, well, the Earth is in space. And I know you talk about spaceship <laughs> Earth or, you know. Yeah. Um, so, so how do you convince people that the two can coexist in terms of our endeavors in the future? Well, I think, you know, and I, I know we can't go into the details of all of it uh, today, but, you know, if, if we really look closely at what's been done in space over this past 50, 60 years, uh, the improvements we've seen on Earth because of that are, are significant. And every area of science you can imagine in political and international relationships, uh, you, you know, I, I personally believe that what we're doing on the space station now with the countries that are involved, you know, there are things that aren't so great going on between those countries here on Earth. Without those relationships in space, I don't even want to think about what it could be. Um, the way we work together in space is, is bringing us together, is connecting us through relationships that we've never had before. Not to mention all the science and information that's coming back that's allowing us to solve these problems, and we are. And the argument about, I don't know, why aren't we solving our problems here on Earth versus you know traveling off to space? Uh, I, I think I've answered some of that, but I would also say that um, everything we're doing right now to lift us off the planet, to get more people into space, is not just about solving the problems here on Earth for Earth, but solving them in space for Earth as well. Uh, I, one of the companies I won't mention because it'll probably get, you know, hairs will raise, but you know, you see kind of tourism activities going on now with suborbital flights. Those are the baby steps. They are the baby steps towards lifting industry off our planet into the benign environment of space. I always like to use the example of space-based solar power. You know, right now and at this conference, we're looking at how do we become more sustainable with the way we generate our electricity here on Earth. Well, the most sustainable way would be to lift all of that generation off the planet and beam it back to us and do that in a place in space that has access 24 hours a day to the energy of the sun. 
and to bring that back to us in a way that could really and truly one day be providing energy to the whole entire planet um, through that platform and could be um, you know, lifting the industry off in a way that turns this planet into, I don't know, I, I beg to say the, the park-like setting that I think all humans and all life on Earth would like to enjoy. And Amanda, we've spoken to some of the scientists uh, exploring and developing missions to look at these uh, icy moons uh, and some not so icy in, in, in the uh, far reaches of the solar system. And, and a lot of the time they're interested in understanding atmospheric processes, how planets evolve and, you know, what might have been the path that the Earth followed. So I guess even there in depicting these distant worlds, they may well hold some answers to how we manage the climate in the future. Well, beautiful question, because I was just having um, a meeting with Dr. Ralph Lorenz, who was in Dubai um, this week. And um, of course, he's um, Dragonfly Mission to Titan. And um, he, I loved how he was commenting on how Venus's greenhouse effect is in fact, when you look at Titan, the hydrological cycles and what's happening there on a climatologist um, perspective is what we can use to gain information about Earth. So that in just the outer solar system is one example about how going off Earth to be better un, you know, um, informed about the Earth's activity. So that's just one, that's just one example. But you know, there's another example, of course, Moon Europa, um, Cassini, uh, sorry, the um, NASA's um, Europa Clipper emissions coming up in 2024 um, you know the fact that there is a very likely a subsurface ocean at Europa two and a half times bigger than all of Earth's oceans combined but they're still not sure whether the second genesis of life exists there they're thinking it could be but yet it just illustrates my point again that you know we're the moon symphony we go on this space exploration through music to realize that we have the most precious, incredible planet, a world in this whole solar system. And that's why this reverence and awe and wonder for the seventh movement, it was so important that I injected that into it just to drive the point home, sorry about the pun, um, about how incredible this life is that is a gift to all of us. Um, so yeah, so science, um, music, Astronauts, it, that's what this symphony is all about, bringing all of those incredible collaborative spirits together, intelligence and the brilliant minds of the team of artists, scientists, astronauts, all of that. Again, another reflection of what the tone of this conference is all about, is, is just, you know, working together to find solutions. 3 p.m. Tuesday, uh, people can go along to the Extreme Hangout. They need to go online and pre-book tickets, which are free. Um, what do you hope they will go away feeling? How do you hope to maybe inspire them in some way? Well, if it's judged by any of the reaction that I've got from the previous, I call it my beta-tested audience, um, and I think people... I think some of the, the comments that have come back to me is it's a very unique project. Um, I mean, I'm so close to it, so I don't really, I'm just sort of paraphrasing here. But I think for me, when I created it, I was just literally off the planet for three years, it felt like. <laughs> you know, I, my feet felt like it didn't, have, didn't touch the ground. I didn't want that, though. I wanted the experience of truly immersing myself in the science and, 
you know, just letting that just drip around me and, and I call it my incubation period. And so I was so invested um, in making sure that the authenticity of the project was always there in, when I created it. And so when I, I experienced these reactions from people who, who experienced the symphony, I'm like, Good. You know, my work is, it's, it's penetrating, it's, it's resonating just like I had hoped. So that is kind of what, and I think it means something for, you know, it, this symphony is something for everyone. It's, it's a, um, in terms of what it emotionally brings up for you. And I think that is what I'm going to be really curious about. And I, I obviously my underlying hope and dream is just to uplift, inspire the daylights out of everyone to to positive action, which is what Nicole and our planetary mission is all about. You, you, things, solutions will not be found in negative discussions. Solutions will be found when people are just blown out of their minds about the inspiring space missions that are happening through these incredible space agencies, the International Space Station, the astronauts. They are mind-blowing missions. And that's what this symphony is all about, is just amplifying that and that is the role of the symphony i'm not sure whether you'll get any of the delegates for cop 26 but if you could uh what do you hope they will take away what do you hope they will be inspired to do over the next two weeks well you know the best place that we could do this symphony um if we could get the delegates and i you know as crew members on board the space station floating around the dinner table at night we've all had this conversation at one point or another where you wish instead of at a conference center in any city on this planet we wish that they all could be floating together in the window of the cupola module of the station with their little heads kind of bouncing off each other looking back at their home planet as they they have these discussions i you know i, I love the way amanda describes all of the inspiration that comes through the awe and wonder of things and um and that's what's happening to astronauts in space when we look back at earth right it's like oh my gosh overwhelmed by the awe and wonder of this place that we think we know is our home and seeing it as as a planet and uh, and all the the feels that you know that come from that and uh, what I really hope will come from this and I hope it for everyone you know that's participating I hope it for the people that uh, have the joy of coming to the, the the Extreme Hangouts event. I hope it for all the delegates is that very simply, I want people to leave here as crew members, not passengers. And and that's that's kind of a subtle yet not thing. You know, when we live and work, <clears throat> excuse me, on this International Space Station, right? This mechanical life support system, it's six or seven people there who know every day that just in order to survive, they have to be aware of how much CO2 is in their atmosphere, how much clean drinking water they have, the integrity of their thin metal hull, the health and well-being of all their crewmates, just to survive. And there is nothing different between the way those six or seven people on that space station behave than the way we should be behaving as seven plus billion people here on this planet. So my hope in all of this, in whatever I'm doing as part of this conference and what I'll carry forward from it, in what Amanda and I will be doing together and hopefully from here on out um, in partnership with uh, the Moon Symphony, is that everyone walk away undeniably accepting their role as crewmates, not passengers here on Spaceship Earth.
Amanda, um, those are beautiful words, and I think very <laughs> apt. I know you're thinking, how do I top that? But <laughs> I just wonder, you know, you've got the moons, including uh, the moon that orbits the Earth and Earthrise. I just wonder whether at some point there is this uh, small blue dot, this something, this final movement that may come about in celebration of saving the Earth. Well, I, I um, go back to my many, many conversations with Nicole when I was finessing the music for the seventh movement and I hadn't started writing it at that point when she asked me to compose. I already knew that I was going to do it. But I had the emotional landscape sort, sorted out, which was just, you know, awe, reverence and gratitude. Those were the themes that I wanted to make sure. In fact, I remember having... Um, uh, lunch with my husband and just describing to him that landscape I, again I hadn't written any music and I just burst into tears it was just such a powerful unexpected reaction that I, I found myself when I was describing him the story of the seventh movement and of course I had all these conversations with Nicole but one thing that she obviously and most astronauts um, talk about is that you know, they just do, they, they have difficulty in describing in words that emotional experience. And of course, you know, we all know that quote, music takes over when words fail. And, you know, as part of my um, determination as a composer was, here is my chance to create something as impactful as that Earthrise image and you know, um, backing that with the emotional conversations and accounts from those astronauts, let me see how I can put music and have a role to play in all of this. So that was really, um, and it's the crowning moment, you know, the seventh movement's a very spiritual number. Everything was very serendipitously lined up that that earth moon was our moon and it's all of our moon and that is it's a uniting symbol it's a unification again another massive theme in this symphony so that is that's my hope and um that is the hope of the moon symphony well amanda nicole thank you so much for sharing those perspectives uh, very inspiring uh, and if you've been inspired uh, you can go along to the extreme hangout at the ferry uh, on the Clyde in Glasgow there for COP26 and hear them at 3pm on Tuesday. Now if you're not here in Glasgow in person that will be streamed so you can watch it online. So thanks again and I hope you've found this as interesting as I have. Thank you. Thank you.